Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Robert Quintana with this week's message, part two of I Shall Bow. So everyone, you know, wants to be a part of a love story. And there's something appealing about it. There's something special about a good love story. I hate to even admit it because I'm a guy, but I enjoy romantic comedies now and, ad- now and again. I do. I think it's because of the love story. We are drawn to love stories, and we all seek love stories. Uh, whether it's a love story with our father or with our mother, with our brothers and sisters, with our friends, in relationships, in the church, we seek and we long for love stories. My love story with Heather started back in 1998 when we were in seminary and she caught my attention in the hallways and I thought to myself, now that is someone that I would like to get to know. And fortunately, as you guys know, in college, in the university, there's no assigned seating. So I was ecstatic when I realized that I was having a class with Heather. And so for the next few days, I kind of maneuvered myself around the classroom, trying to get closer and closer to her until finally the day came when that seat was available and I sat down next to Heather, now my wife. Well, that love story began, and it developed, and um, March uh, 26, I proposed to her on Sunset Rock, uh, just outside the outskirts of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Does anyone know where Lookout Mountain is? You can, it's a beautiful place. If you're ever in that area, you have to go to Lookout Mountain. You can oversee uh, the city, and just down the road from Lookout Mountain, there's a little trail that you can take, and uh, there's a little place called Sunset Rock for obvious reasons. It's a big rock, um, a few hundred feet from the valley, and you can see the sunset on that rock. And I timed it just perfectly so that we were there as the sun was going down, and man, was I nervous. I didn't think I would be leading up to that. I thought to myself, I'm confident, I'm good, I know she's going to say yes, there's nothing to be afraid of, right? But there's something about that moment where your hands start to get sweaty and you, you know, the the words that you've rehearsed all these days leading up to it now seem to kind of go away. And I remember proposing to her on Sunset Rock and she said yes, I was so ecstatic. And our love story began, and it continues even to now. And I want to share with you something a little bit later about how our love story has continued. Um, But we all long for a love story. We all want to be a part of a love story. Even when we are in a relationship that goes south, love on the rocks, you go your separate ways, and you've been hurt by love, there is something about love that we want to experience again. And so we oftentimes put ourselves out there again because we want to be a part of a love story. Just this last week, I had the opportunity, the privilege really, to visit um, with Theodore Miller um, as we 
um, just shared with you uh, during our prayer. He passed away uh, this morning. But I, I got to spend um, a couple hours with him and his wife. Um, they've been married for 68 years. That's a long time to be together. What an amazing love story. And, and I'll take this opportunity to just remind you to just pray for the family, pray for Dottie as they go through this very difficult time. Um, but as I got to see them interact, it was so beautiful that after 68 years of being together, uh, she went up to, to his bedside and was caressing his arm. And uh, she was a registered nurse for, for most of her life. And so she was taking care of her husband and, and she kind of uh, brushed his face and kind of combed his hair a little bit. And uh, they weren't sharing too many words with each other, but just just surprised everyone in the room when she looked into his eyes and said, I need you. I need you. And uh, Daryl was there, and and Daryl said, you see, Dad, uh, Mom needs you. Mom needs you to get strong and get better so you can come home. It was such a beautiful moment of, of pure love for one another. We all long for that kind of love, don't we? We all desire to be a part of such an awesome love story. If you were here with us last time, you remember that we we started a sermon series on the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is a fascinating book. I hope and pray that you're taking the opportunity for the next several weeks to go through the book of Isaiah on your own. Because there is so much good stuff there, we're not going to be able to cover it all in this series. But you can read through it and you can see this love story unfolding right before your very eyes. And as you come week after week, you'll, you'll have a better um, contextual understanding of the book of Isaiah. But last week, we, we started this sermon series on the book of Isaiah, where God, through the prophet Isaiah, is basically telling the people of Israel how much I love you, how much I want to be a part of a love story with you. And we looked at a couple of verses last week, and I just want to remind you of these because they're so powerful. If you'd like to turn there, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 and and 23. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 and 23. God says to all of us, look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. And that's verse 23 A pretty shocking, pretty bold statement by God. I have sworn by myself, we spent some time on that, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. God puts his reputation, his character on the line, and he says, I am swearing to you that there will be a day, the time will come, when every knee shall bow. And you might remember I asked you the question, what will drive you to your knees at that moment? What's going to drive you to your knees? The the question is not, 
whether you're going to bow or not. No, God has promised every knee shall bow. The question that we need to ask for ourselves is what's going to drive me to my knees? And when you break it down, there are really only two reasons why you would bow down. One is fear. You are afraid. You are scared. And so you are driven to your knees as you come face to face with the creator, the, 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 the sovereign Lord, King of kings of the universe, and you are so afraid that you are driven to your knees or you can be driven to your knees out of love and respect and honor because you have so connected with God through the years. You have spent so much time with him and you understand his ways. And now the realization of all your dreams and all your aspirations, that the culmination of all your hopes are there once before you. And you're just overwhelmed with gratitude, with joy. You're overwhelmed with love. And so you fall to your knees to worship him. And so we talked about that. Last time we were together, what will drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? And then, of course, the obvious, I hope that everyone here, everyone listening to my voice is driven to their knees because of love, not out of fear. I mean, that is my hope. That is my prayer for for all of us, including myself, that when that time comes, that I fall to my knees out of love. And so the, the next logical question is, well, then how can I ensure that when that moment comes, I am in love with God? How can I ensure that when that moment comes, when every knee shall bow, that I am so utterly in love with God that I fall to my knees out of love and respect and honor to him? And so there's that one passage in the New Testament that tells us, says, you love me. Why? Because I first loved you. And so if we want to get to the point in our relationship, in our journey where we are in love with God, we first need to understand how he loves us. And the book of Isaiah is perfect for that. The book of Isaiah is perfect to reveal to us how much God really loves us. And so I have chosen today to look at a love poem that God has written to you and to me. It's a poem, a a love poem. I asked Heather earlier this week, I said, honey, have I ever written a poem to you? And she said, no. And the way she said that made me think, I should probably write her a poem. (laughs) But here God writes a poem to us. It is a love poem to us. Now, now really, you lose a lot in translation. Because when you read this in in its original language, you can see how it flows. But when we translate it, you kind of lose some of that rhythm. You lose some of that flow, um, some of the... uh, um, how, how it kind of rhymes, but, but nonetheless, it's still a beautiful and powerful passage. I'd like for you to turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, where God writes to us a love poem. Isaiah chapter 43, starting with verse 1, and we'll read to verse 7. But now, thus says the Lord, 
who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Selba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. What a beautiful love poem that God has written to all of us. I'd like to go back to verse 1 because uh, I, I want to kind of go through it and, and maybe open these texts up a little bit for, for us all. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. The words there created and formed, they're similar, but they are different. You see, the word created means being created out of nothing. You might want to think back to the creation week when God created where he spoke and it came to being. And so here he has created out of nothing. And so he is saying to us, I have created you out of nothing. But then he says, but I have formed you. Now that is such a beautiful word because that word now takes it a step further and says, not only did I create you, but I formed you. In other words, I had a purpose for you. I created you with a design. And we're going to get to that design here in a little bit. But, it, but he's taking it a step further. He says, I didn't just create you for nothing. I didn't just create you so that you can just walk around and look pretty. No, I created you and I formed you with a purpose, with a design. Now, did you notice the names Jacob and Israel? Oftentimes in Scripture, those names are used to describe the people of God. And so you can say that if you have given your life over to God, in other words, if you have decided to, to enter into this covenant relationship with him, that you are part of this covenant relationship, you're part of this family, you can call yourself an Israelite. Now, not maybe a literal Israelite as someone that was born in Israel, but the Bible talks about this spiritual Israel. That when you enter into this covenant relationship with God, you are now part of the family. You are now heirs to the promises that were given to Abraham. You are part of Israel. So here he is referring to Jacob, Israel, which by the way is the same person in Scripture. We're going to get to that in just a second. But it's the same person. But when he says Jacob and Israel referring to the people of God, you can include yourself in that passage. This is why this is a love poem for, 
from God for you and for me and for all the Christians through all ages. And so he says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, you might remember Jacob or the name Jacob or how the name Jacob came about. You might remember that he had a twin brother, Esau. And as they were coming out, Jacob held on to the heel of Esau. Do you remember that? And because of that, they gave Jacob the name Jacob, which means supplanter or deceitful. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like to have a name that means deceitful. I don't want to walk around, you know, with the name that says, you know, you're, you're a supplanter. You're a, a deceitful man. No, but this was the name that Jacob was given. And so listen, listen now. It says, who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel. Israel being the name that God gave to Jacob. You might remember that. When they were wrestling and they were going back and forth, remember this. And then, and then in that process, in that journey, God looks at Jacob and says, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but you shall now be called Israel, with, which literally means the prince or a prince of God. And so do you see the progression here? And maybe you feel as though your life is a Jacob. Maybe you feel as though your life is, is, is broken. Maybe you feel as though your life right now is, is in shambles. You, you don't know where you're going. You, you're, you're distracted. You're going and being, being pulled in a million directions. Maybe you feel as though you are a Jacob, but God says, not only did I create you, but I can form you and I can make you into in Israel, just like I took Jacob and gave him a new name, Israel, and I transformed him, I can do the same for you. The, the New Testament passage that I'm reminded of is, he who began a good work in you is faithful to what? Complete that work. God can take you from being Jacob to being in Israel. And so here he says, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Because of this, because God loves us so much and he has the power to, to take hold of this transformation in your life, he says, fear not for I have, and he takes it now a step further, I can have redeemed you. Now that word redeem, such a beautiful word. Anybody ever have a coupon or, or, or something that, you know, that says, you know, redeem by and, you know, you're, you're anxious to get to McDonald's to, to redeem the, the free drink or fries that comes with the, you know, or, or you know, at Walmart. We, we need to make it by September 18th so that we can get, you know, a dollar off, you know, our, our, our um, what do you call those, d those dryer sheets? We're, we're always looking for coupons for dryer sheets, right? So, so we need to get there to redeem. Do, do you understand? Do, do you know that? There was a time in our history where we belonged to the devil. Do you understand that? that? That at the Garden of Eden, we basically sold ourselves over to him when we pledged allegiance to him, when we said, you know, we're going to follow your ways instead of God's ways. 
And so we, we sold ourselves over to him. And this is why the Bible often talks about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as being a purchase. You know, by, by the blood, he purchased us back. In other words, he redeemed us. He went and he bought us back with his blood, with his sacrifice. He redeemed us back. And so here he says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. I love this. You are mine. You belong to me. Now, do you see how, if you understand God's love for us, if you understand God's love for your life, do you see, do you understand how when that moment comes and you come face to face with your maker, do you see how it's not fear that's going to drive you to your knees? It's going to be love because you understand I belong to him. He has transformed me. He has redeemed me. He has bought me. He, he, he knows me by name. I belong to him. It's out of love that we fall to our knees, not out of fear. The verse itself says, fear not, fear not. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Listen, I don't have any proof of this, but I cannot help but believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had read this verse early on in their childhood. If you think of the timeline here, Isaiah wrote this before they were taken captive into Babylon. So it's very possible that when they were studying in the synagogue or when they were visiting the temple or, or, or maybe one of the priests was teaching them, they read from the book of Isaiah and they read this passage that says, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And so now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when facing this horrific, this incident, they say, you know what? There's nothing for us to fear. We belong to God. There's absolutely nothing for us to fear because God has created us. He has reformed us. He has formed us. He has redeemed us. We belong to him. We are his. Don't you remember that verse that says when you walk through the fires, it's not going to burn you or scorch you. I, I, I have no proof of that, but I can't help but to believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this verse. And so they stood when faced with troubles, with faith, with tribulations, they stood firm for God. You see how the love of God can drive you to stand strong through life's trials, through life's difficulties, because we all face them. I mean, let's be real. We all go through difficult times in life. You know, sometimes we don't get that job promotion like we wanted to. Sometimes the house doesn't sell when we want it to. We all go through difficult times in life. Sometimes we feel as though my spouse doesn't get me or my children are out of church. We all go through difficult times in life. If we understand God's love for us, I'm telling you it will help us and it will strengthen us to make it through those difficult times in life. When we understand that God created me, 
when we understand that God formed me, when we understand that he redeemed me, when, when we understand that he has given me a new name, when, when we understand that, that he has, has, has made me his, it helps us through those difficult times in life. Well, let's keep on reading verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, that's just beautiful, beautiful there. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Selpa in your place. Now, the interesting thing, I'm going to stop here for just one second. The interesting thing about this passage, um, verses 1 through 7, is that it, it actually is, and this is kind of a fancy term that they love to throw around in seminary, a chiasm. Uh, basically, it's a pyramid. And so you have verse 1 and verse 7 at the bottom, and then you have verse 2, and, and then verse 6, and then you have verse 3, and then you have verse 5, and then at the very top of the pyramid, you have verse 4, okay? So now listen to verse 4. Since you are, were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. I asked uh, at the early service, I asked him, I said, what does the word precious mean? I mean, it's not a word that we use lightly. It's not one that we throw around. If you had to think of something precious in your life, you might, be, you might think of your children. You might re- refer to your children as being precious. You know, precious is something that we reserve for something that is, that is so beautiful, that, that is so unique, that, that, that in, in, um, the value of it is so great that we say it is precious. You know, we sometimes refer to diamonds or gems, jewels as being precious. And here God says to us, you are precious. You are precious to me. You are valuable to me. You are unique. You are special. You are precious to me. And then he says, you have been honored and I have loved you. And then he says, everything that he is willing to do for us, therefore I will give men for you and people for your life. Verse 5, now we're making our way down the other side of the pyramid. Fear not. There again, we remember reading that on the other side of the pyramid. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And so here again, he, he, he starts to paint this picture that says, listen, your life may be scattered. Your life might be all over the place. Uh, you may feel as though you're being pulled in all different directions, just like the nation of Israel was during this time. But he's saying, I can bring it all together. I can make it all work. I've begun a good work in you. I am faithful to complete that work. So wherever you are in life, no matter where, where you feel you're being pulled to, he says, I can bring it all together and I can make it work in your life. And so then, verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, 
There's that reference to the name again that we saw on the, on the other side of the pyramid, right? Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, right? Remember verse 1 talked about created and being formed and being redeemed. Whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. So now, did you catch it? Did you catch the reason why we were created why he is going through such great length to form us and to redeem us. Did you see it? What's it say? We were created for what? His glory. Now this is probably one of the toughest biblical truth principles for anyone to accept into their life. That we were created for the glory of God. I'm telling you, if you just spend a few moments and contemplate what that says, I guarantee you that there is a part of you that's going to rebel against that thought. Wait a second, we were created for the glory of God. How about me? You see, because that's what sin does. That's what selfishness does, right? We say, wait a second, I want to build myself up. How about my glory? Where am I in all of this? You you mean to tell me that the only reason why we were created is for the glory of God? Yes, it is. And the sooner you wrap your mind around that, or should I say, the sooner you allow that principle to engulf your mind, to, to wrap around your head, the better life is going to be for you. The more life is going to make sense to you the more purpose-driven life you're going to have. The sooner you understand and realize and, and accept that you are here to bring glory to God, the better off you're going to be. And I know that there are some people here already kind of fighting that thought off saying, oh, I'm not sure, and, and you're, you're starting to justify by saying, what kind of a God is this? You know, what kind of a selfish God is this? You know, I thought he was a humble God, and, and now here we're created for his honor, for his glory. Well, what's that all about? You know, how about me? Listen, I'm telling you, the sooner you understand that your design, your purpose in life in this world is to give glory and honor to him, the better off you're going to be. I talk to people all the time who say to me, you know, Q, there was a time in my life when I felt good, when I felt empowered, where things were going well. I was in the Word of God. I was reading the Word of God. I was in prayer. I was spending time in prayer. There was a time in my life where I felt good. I was serving others. I was serving the church. And now I've gone away from all of that, and I feel as though my, my, my life is in chaos. It's in shambles. It's all over the place. Financially, I have nowhere to turn. I don't know what to do. My family Family, my relationships are all going south, and, and my work, I'm not happy. I think to myself, and I say to them, eventually we get around to, what role do you think God should have in your life? Uh, what role do you think you should be playing in life? You see, because when you look back at those times in your spiritual journey when you were on a high, I can guarantee you that you were maybe not verbally or maybe not even consciously, but you were living out your design purpose, which is to give glory to him. And that's why life felt good. 
that's why you felt as though, man, I am, I'm good. I mean, not, not everything is perfect around me, but I have this peace and I'm good. I can face tomorrow because I know. I want to take you back to, to Genesis. Do you remember what it says there in the creation story? That God created man and woman in the image of God. We were created in his image. So your designed purpose is to give glory to him. Your design purpose is to reflect who God is. And the sooner you get on a path where you are learning and you are experiencing what it means to give glory to him, to reflect his image, the better you're going to feel. The better you're going to feel about yourself and about your relationships and about everything around your life. Because we were intended to reflect his image. We were reflect. We were intended to reflect his glory. Since the Garden of Eden, we've fallen from that purpose. Because we have fallen from our original design, we feel at times as though our lives are lost. We feel as though we're being pulled in a thousand directions. We, we, we're, we're looking for answers in all the wrong places. And God says, listen, guys, I have created you and I can form you or recreate you. I can reform you. Let me ask you a question. What do you think God is trying to recreate in us? What do you think he's trying to form us back into if it's not our original design, our original purpose, which is to be image bearers of him, which is to be individuals who reflect his glory. And so here, He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And so here God shares with us this beautiful love poem where he says to all of us, I love you. The pinnacle of that pyramid. I love you more than anything. And then and then in such a beautiful way, he lays it all out. He lays it all out for us. I've created you. I have reformed you. I have redeemed you. I have given you a new name. You are mine. It doesn't matter where your life is right now. I can recreate it. I can bring it back together. It doesn't matter how far off you are in life. I can bring it all together. And when we understand God's love for us, when we understand everything that he has done, is doing, and will do for us, we cannot help but to fall on our knees in worship to him out of love. And so this year, Heather and I are celebrating 11 years of marriage. And I have to just share with you how awesome. Thank you. I just have to share with you how awesome this love story has been for us. It just gets better and better and better. And so I want to share with you a little incident that happened the other day that I think really helps to illustrate uh, this point. Um, it was the Olympics, and, and I don't know about you, but the Olympics just really messed up my schedule, really messed up my sleeping pattern, uh, you know, going to bed late, trying to catch, you know, the, the gold medal matches, and, you know, anybody there with me? You know, you found yourself going to bed after midnight, you know, and then the late night recap, and it, it just wasn't good. Well, there, a, a 
during the Olympics, um, it was one of those nights where, where I had stayed up to, to watch and uh, Heather had gone to bed already, as she always does. She, she goes to bed very early, usually. I, I usually kind of lag behind, you know, to the bedroom. But, but there I was, and, and I was watching. I was so exhausted. I was so tired. Because I'd been doing this now for a few days where I was going to bed late, trying to watch the Olympics. I was so tired. And, and quite honestly, it, it was a little bit of a boring event that was on. And so I kind of dozed off. You know, I went to bed, I went to sleep on the couch downstairs in, in our family room. And so, you know, I fell asleep on the couch watching the Olympics. Um, about 1.30 in the morning, I, I wake up. And I'm thinking, oh, my, it's 1.30. I need to, you know, get up. I need to go to bed. So I turned the, the TV off. I turned the lights off. And, and I, as I was heading up, I go into the garage because I wanted to drop something off. And I accidentally shut the door behind me and it was locked and I'm thinking to myself what do I do now it's 1 30 in the morning Heather's probably in her REM sleep <laughs> and so I text her thinking if it wakes her then okay, but if it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to push it here. So I text her and I say, if you happen to read this, <laughs> can you please come get me in the garage? <laughs> and so, you know, I'm thinking of all the ways, you know, can I pick the lock? Can I, you know, it's in the garage, so I have all the tools there, but, you know, I didn't see any any screws on this side of the, you know, knob. So I'm thinking, I, I don't think I can break in. I thought of going out the garage door and then ringing the doorbell. But I thought to myself, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to wake her up. You know, my love for her, it wasn't fear. <laughs> you see that? It, it wasn't fear that kept me from ringing the doorbell. Because I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if I had rung that doorbell, she would have come down and let me in. And I wasn't afraid. You know, it's not like she was, what are you doing? You're waking me up. No, 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 no. It was love that kept me from not ringing the doorbell. So I start looking around, I start, it starts really sinking in. I think I'm going to spend the night in the garage. Like, I really think this is going to happen. Well, fortunately, we keep some of, some of our camping gear in the garage. So I plugged up the pump. I filled up the air mattress. I laid it out in the garage. Fortunately, it wasn't a very hot night. It was quite cool. Uh, there's a, a lot of different noises that I experienced for the very first time. <laughs> a lot of crickets. And there seemed like there was a lot of little things crawling around me. I was able to find a blanket. And I slept in the garage for the very first time in my life. <laughs> around 5 o'clock in the morning. I hear the door open and the light shining into the garage. <laughs> and Heather's standing there with a big old smile on her face. 
what are you doing? <laughs> so, well, I didn't want to wake you up. I, I just, you know, I, I just thought, and she said, you had the air mattress in here? I said, yeah, it worked out quite nice, actually. <laughs> What's your relationship like with God? The, the one relationship that really matters. Do you do what you do because you're afraid? Do you do what you do because you're scared? Do you do what you do because somehow you think that God's up there with a checklist and he's going to punish you or discipline you? Why do you do what you do? Why do you come to church? Why do you reach out? Why do you return a faithful tithe and offering? Why do you do what you do? Is it because you're afraid Or is it because you have fallen in love with this God and your response is, what can I do to love you in return? If you're someone here today who who goes through the motions because you are afraid, can I just ask you to read the book of Isaiah? Spend some time in this love poem that he has written to us. Spend some time reading verses 1 through 7 and just let it sink in of how much God loves you. Because what I want for your life is that we give glory to Him because of what He has done for us. What I want for your life, for all of our lives, is that we fall to our knees, not out of fear. We fall to our knees because of love. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We're a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.